1: Today, we had a great conversation with a new friend of mine. Uh, Just met her today. She is the founder of Swig. Her name is Nicole Tanner. Can't wait for you to take a listen. Let's get proximate. Friends, and we have a guest here today that all of you probably will know. And if you don't know her uh, personally by name, you will know her business. Um, we have Nicole Tanner, the founder of Swig. Yes.
2: And I am so excited to meet <laughs> you here today. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. I need to do a disclaimer. I woke up with a uh, rough sounding voice this morning, I don't usually have this sexy of a voice. But, um, but we're loving it for I the do, pod today. Today I do. So um, yes, I'm just glad I can speak. I may have a few octaves that go up and down, but it'll make it interesting. So it's good. But thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, so I'm fun. so happy
1: to have you here. So happy to meet you today for the first time. Yes. And just really excited to get into your story. Let's, yes. let's go back into the way back and yes. let's talk about where you grew up and a little bit about your
2: family of origin. Love it. That's so important because we all have a story from when we're just little, right? So I grew up on a farm in Teton Valley, Idaho, a little town called Victor, Idaho, Um, best huckleberry shakes around. Um, It was an amazing way to grow up Um, from a family of eight children. I was five of eight and we grew up same five 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 of ten five but of ten cool. so you're yeah. number five yeah the middle child yeah we have to keep
1: we have to do stuff so people know
2: we're still here we totally do <laughs> and we're the peacekeepers and we just kind of roll with it and whatever yeah. yeah so i love that um yeah so grew up on a farm i knew what hard work was uh when you it was a dairy farm plus we had hay and barley and potatoes and all the things and uh so my dad's workers were his kids, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> your free labor. Um, I don't know how we did it with the patience level because your kids as your laborers is not a very fun way to do things. Yeah, I know. But um, it taught me how to just work hard. And um, I compare owning a restaurant, honestly, to like a dairy farm. Yes. You can't ever leave it. Like it, you are married to it. It is day in, day out. And it almost kind of prepped me For owning, you know, my own business and a restaurant, even though I had no idea I would be selling fountain drinks in the future. But, yeah, an amazing way to grow up. Teton Valley is just gorgeous. I call it paradise, um, heaven on earth. I didn't appreciate it growing up because who does, you know? Um, I just wanted something bigger and grander and more exciting. Um, But, um, yeah, it was an amazing place to grow up. I loved it. So where?
1: So is it in what? Was what, what is it close to? I mean, so, I have a sister that's in Star Valley.
2: Okay, so. so we're super close. In fact, I compare Teton and Star Valley. They're very similar. So we are on the other side of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Okay, so um, like uh, forty minutes from from Rexburg, BYU oh, okay. Idaho. Yep. Yeah. On your way from Rexburg to Jackson Hole, you will go right through Teton Valley, right through Driggs and Victor. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I say we've got the, the more beautiful side of the Tetons, the Idaho side. Yeah. 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 So beautiful. Yeah.
1: It is just
2: gorgeous up there. And it I, is. Star S- Valley is one of our favorite places. But amazing. winter's a little rough, yes? Winter's are rough. And I often them like... How did I do this? Like I was on the drill team and would scrape a hole. Um, I wouldn't wake up in time to fall yes, my car. Yes. So I'd scrape a hole in the window and just drive like with this little tiny hole and on snowy, crazy roads. And I meet it. I mean, I yeah. don't know how I you know, did How did but, we, yeah, how did yeah, we do these? Things? How did we, how did we do those hard things? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I go up there now just in the summer.
0: Oh, because yeah, I live in St. George, fabulous. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, the summer is amazing. So I get out of the heat in St. George and go up to where it's just fabulous in uh, the in the summer. So fun! I yeah. remember I had a, I have a memory of my sister
1: and I driving our old farm truck to school every day, but when it had this thing where it, like wouldn't latch the hood wouldn't latch very good oh gosh and we'd be driving down so talk about oh, like a little hole yeah. so we were we would drive down to and thankfully it, the school wasn't terribly far and it was mostly on a dirt road but like the hood would pop up all of a sudden and i'm like ah. okay, okay. hold up hold <laughs> yeah. up
2: luckily there weren't a lot of cars and you could pull yeah. <laughs> over and okay let's fix that yeah yeah Push it down. jump on
1: the hood i mean to get- honestly
2: you, yeah. you learned to problem solve. yeah at an yeah. early age when you grow up on a farm yeah that's what you do so eight brothers and sisters? Yeah, seven. So there's eight of us, but yeah, seven yes. brothers and sisters, four girls and four boys. So my parents planned it really well. Oh,
1: so split even. Yeah, split good. even. Yeah.
2: Good. So, so what kinds of
1: things did you get
2: into? I mean, so you were a drill team, so you were a dancer. What uh-huh. other stuff did you do? I was also do? a cheerleader, and I also played basketball. When you come from a, a yeah. high school of a graduating class of 55, then you get a chance to do everything. So it was amazing, though, because I was able to try my hand at many different things. But yeah, drill team all four years, um, cheerleading three years, basketball three years, but... I you loved it. it. I absolutely loved it. You knew everybody in your high school, um, probably knew a little too much about everybody in the yep. high school. So there's like good and bad to that, right? Yep. Um, you know, dated guys usually outside of, of the Valley because, you know, there was options outside and you there. you were related
1: to all the ones yeah, in.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We know. We yep. know. So true. Definitely went to a few proms with my cousins. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, no, it was it was amazing. Like, I, I teased that. The best, funnest thing to do was to go to our drive-in movie theater. Um, It was amazing. That was the hangout spot. Do you you still have one up there? Yeah. In fact, the saddest thing, it's called the Spud Drive-In Theater, (laughs) which is like the perfect name, right? Because we're potato farmers up there. Um, It actually, with all the wind we had this winter, it blew down. The whole screen blew down. Oh, no. The saddest thing, it was made, you know, the news and uh, very, very sad. So I don't know if they'll get it up and going, but it was literally the best, funnest thing to do. Yeah, we we still have ours.
1: Ours is in Mount Pleasant, the Basin
2: Drive-In. Yeah, the best. Best best. burgers. Anybody wants to go get the best burgers in town? Yes, we had what's called a Gladys Burger, which was the name the owners were. That was the lady's first name. But yeah, so that's kind of a monument that now is... Out there anymore no, but yeah amazing you have to make your own make your own fun yep. when you grow up in a small town and like I said you get creative and one of the worst things I ever did my parents teased me is we got bored one day and we went and got orange pylon cones and decided to block off the highway the main road through town which is <laughs> not much we blocked it off with orange pylon cones and then watched and waited to have cars stop move the cones get out and then until the cops came <laughs> And that was like the craziest thing I ever did. So, I mean, silly stuff like and that. And you usually know the cops and they're like, oh, yeah. knock he it off my and go down. home. He's like, so I have Nicole here. Um, what do you want me to do? Yeah. So, and they tease like that was the worst thing I ever did. Yeah. So great. So funny. I, I
1: don't, I was trying to think of, I don't think I did anything too crazy with the cops, but I had a brother who was a little, pushed the edge a little bit, but he, It was so we have the Manti pageant. And, um, it was like a huge thing, like at the Manti temple Yeah, and you know, hundreds, you know, thousands and thousands of people who hasn't been to the Manti. So great. Love it. So one year, my, when my brother was in high school, I shouldn't be telling on him. I won't tell which brother, (laughs) but they, he, he, he and his buddies decided it'd be really fun to just grab one of the city, like big garbage cans and start a fire in it. Oh, and like. Yeah. roast marshmallows and hot dogs and sell them to the the traffic, you know, to great the... Great idea. To the, like, he's yeah. really trying to... Yeah, entrepreneurial en- yeah, spirit. Yeah, I feel it. I love it. Yeah, and um, yeah, that wasn't great, because apparently it's <clears> illegal <throat> to start a fire in a yeah. city dumpster on the highway.
2: Go figure. Go figure. <laughs> I mean, hindsight, right? Uh, but he didn't think <laughs> it all the way through. He's like, this sounds amazing. Yeah, Why t- has no one done this before? Teenage brains, yes. you know, they're not fully developed. It's totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine, and a small town, it's fine.
1: Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. yeah, now nowadays you can't get it. You can't be doing stuff like that. No, it's darn fine. it. Yeah, it's darn fun it. time. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's so fun that you that you grew up there. So talk a little bit about. So so you were on dairy farm, and it is. You, I mean, I we we were on a farm, and then, like you you can't leave. Yeah. Like, camping was really the only thing we ever did for like right. a vacation, and it was like maybe you know we'd run down and milk the cows and right. whatever. But yeah. So, so what, what happened after that? You, you wanted to get out yeah. and then, and then what? Yeah.
2: Um, I went to BYU, Idaho. I call it Rick's. So, um, yes. because that's what it was. Um, so I went to Rick's for two years and got my degree in my associate's degree in office education. So secretarial, um, an administrative assistant is what it was. And so then I got that and moved down to Provo and worked for a company called Dynex, um they automated library systems and i was an as an executive assistant for the marketing director yeah. so i did that for a couple of years and um met my husband and got married and and then on from there have five beautiful children three grandbabies um the grandma life is a good life it's actually the best life way way better than parenting i've heard it's I've heard. amazing and you love them <laughs> like you love your kids yeah. In fact, even sometimes more. But they're nicer. <laughs> they're nicer. Yeah. You don't have to do all the hard stuff. You just get a <laughs> love on them and spoil them. Yeah. No, it's the best. So.
1: And then you did, when did you end up in St. George?
2: So um, we moved to St. George in um, 2007 um, to help out a friend with the housing industry that was booming, right? Mm-hmm. 2006, 2007. And then the next year it tanked. And the recession hit. So um, we lived in Colorado, um, working for the family business for 12 years before that. That's where I had like three of my babies, was in Colorado in the Four Corners area. And so we moved back there for about, two months, three months, it was for the summer. And my kids were like, no, we wanna go back to St. George. At that point, they were five and 15, from five to 15. And those teenage years are pretty pivotable. And so we moved back to St. George, not knowing what we were gonna do, Um, no job, just knowing that it was the best place to raise our kids. And um, we thought of SWIG. We uh, would go to Sonic all the time yeah. and would go get our Diet Coke with lime because they have the good pebble ice and the foam cup that would hold that ice and that drink cold for hours. And um, sometimes the lime would be long and uh, your cup would come out smelling like onions or, or burgers or fries. And you're like, okay, well, I guess this is the only option. Or you walk into your local gas station and get your your drink fix there, your caffeine fix and uh, get out of your car, unbuckling all of your kids, taking the risk that they're not going to come out with chips and candy bars and all of that. And it's risky to go into a gas station with kids with truly like very risky. Yeah. So uh, we just thought there's got to be a better way to get our drink fix, our caffeine fix. And why does this not exist out there? And we couldn't see any other thing like there, like it out there. And so honestly, that is how it all began is like, this is something that we would appreciate. Why does it not exist? And it doesn't. So let's try it. Let's do it. That's, that's incredible. I want to get
1: into your story and exactly like the process of because starting a business It's crazy. And so I want to get into your restaurant business. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I want to get into that when we come right back. Love it. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Tanner, the founder of SWIG. And we want to get into the people have ideas. They don't always see it through um, because it's it's tough, right? So tough. Yeah. So, I mean, like when I was a kid, my dad started a business. It didn't do well. It failed. And I have like, I am super risk averse because of that. Right. Like, it, you know, you, you have these experiences as, as a youth figuring out things. And to me, I, you know, for me, it was like, nope, I just want security, security, security. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what, what inspires you? What, how do you put away those fears of like, how does this work? And how, you know, all the yeah. naysayers that tell you it's never going to work. Right.
2: Let's talk about how that process Yeah. Yeah, I think oh, I've got so many thoughts on that. I think that um, there's always going to be naysayers, right? And it's funny, once we started it, people were like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Or I thought of doing that. Why didn't I do it? So I think it is... Um, if you feel it, like like for us, we were just like, that's an amazing idea that we would appreciate as a customer. Um, why doesn't it exist? And we could envision, we could env- envision it. And we're like, it really needs to be. And the minute that that we thought of it and the minute that we came up with the name, which was my husband looking through this this, wow, the thesaurus, and the minute that he said the word drink, I mean, the minute... He looked in there, sorry, he looked in there for the word drink, and the minute that he said swig, I was like, stop. That's That's it. it. Like, I just felt it. Like, can I have a swig of your drink? And um, so I think that you have to, if you feel it, if you know it, you just have to power through the fears because it is scary. We didn't take out a business loan. We had no partners. It was all of our savings into this business. Wow. We found an old building right there, the original Swig right there by Dixie State, which mm-hmm. is now Utah Tech. Um, and it was a building that used to be a skate ramp park, had really ramps up the side of it. It was an old U-Ha- U-Haul place. Um, it was owned by this gentleman that was like 85 years old. And we f- we liked it because it had a huge parking lot. So we could envision cars wrapped around it because that's where we the vision of it going was this amazing drink stop that is has an amazing drive through that is fast, friendly and a superior product. Those are our three mm-hmm. core values that we still have today. So we needed a big parking lot. So we go to this man. His name's Stan Gubler um, back in the day 2009. And um, we told him our, our idea. And he literally looked at us like, that's crazy. You're insane. You're insane <laughs> because everybody sells fountain drinks. Everybody sells fountain drinks from restaurants to gas stations to anything, concessions. Everybody sells fountain drinks. How are you going to make money off of just selling fountain drinks? And we heard that from a lot of people. Um, how? But we were just like, no, no, no. We know this can work. We feel it to our bones, to our core that this will work. And we're not going to let any doubting people get to us so we had to stay the course and maybe that came from you know the tenacity of growing up on a farm where you're just like no you stay till the job is done yes you you have to stay until the job is done and don't let anything stop you so um from start to finish the idea came to us in september of oh nine and then we had to cross a lot of hurdles um finding the building was the first thing it's our cheapest rent still to date this store number one, he told us, I just want you kids kids to succeed is what he told us. And we were um, in our late thirties at the time, um, five children already. So kind of late in the game to be starting your own business and grassroots starting your own business. Again, no business loan, no partners. Like, here we go. Here we go, kids. So it is scary because, for the kids' sake as well, but honestly, it was an adventure. Um, the kids were in it working with us. Our two oldest were 16 and 14, and then, like, here we go. So they were—we had 12 employees, and they were 2 of 12. Um, all of our other kids were at home coming up with drinks, um, coming up with all different things. It was a family affair, and um, it was a love-hate. Our kids had to share their parents with Swig, Um and so it was hard. Like I have so many memories and they do too of driving past the store because again you're married to it. I was the manager. Um I was the person in there at all times and so is my husband. But we'd drive past the store, we'd finally gone home for the day and there was a line of cars wrapped and I knew they needed help. So what do you do? You go in and help. And I tell the kids I'm just gonna be a few minutes never they now don't have they have trust issues with their mom (laughs) Um, it would be two hours like literally sitting on I have a picture of my youngest sitting on about eight uh, soda bibs stacked up high in the old swig the original swig and he has this look of like I hate my life but I think what it taught them though is sacrifice work hard never give up and we're a team
1: we're a team. So incredible. I'm thinking of the times, and I'm sure you did this with, with your dad at the end of a Saturday of working yeah. and he's like just one more one more thing you're like yep. it'll never be one more thing <laughs> never
2: it'll never be there's always it'll something. never be a few more minutes there's always something yeah you can't go home till all the cows are milked yeah like you gotta stay after rain wind snow yeah sun, doesn't matter doesn't matter uh. so and I think that's that's what you kind of need in the restaurant business like you stay till the job's done if they need you you go back in yeah um and I and that's some advice I would give to um Um, entrepreneurs especially starting a restaurant is don't grow too big too fast Um, start with the simple stuff and be like don't get all the fancy equipment that you think you have to have start with the grassroots like we had a literally a costco cash register and we took orders on yellow sticky notes for three years i don't know how we did it because we had lines wrapped around yellow sticky notes, like the process. I was like, how did it work? But it did. It did. We didn't know any better. We were just like, all right, this works. Let's do it. Let's just. So it's very grassroots. But honestly, I think that's why it worked. And then I always tell people, be in your business. No one is going to protect your business like you will. So be in that store, be in that business and make sure that you're the one there that's creating that culture of like I care for you and those customers see you day in day out and um, we opened it up in the height of the recession at I guess the end of the recession so it was the start of 2010 people were had just lost their homes and uh, their jobs and weren't going out to dinner as much but they were coming to do something for themselves even if it was a drink and a cookie mm. so um, people thought we were crazy to open it up in at the end of a recession like the, that's very risky. But um, I honestly think it was the perfect time mm-hmm. to do it because they wanted to do something for themselves. And it's not, you know, it's not something giant for themselves. No, it's just a little, it's a drink. couple dollars. Yeah, it's a couple few dollars. Of- yeah, and, and we wanted it to be the best part of their day. I wanted to know that customer. I wanted to know their name, their kids. I wanted to know their life. And we see them daily. So yeah. you want to create a connection. Swig is way more than just a drink. It is a connection with people. And that's what we wanted from the start is I know you, I see you, I love you. Um, that is what Swig is all about. And you get a good drink in the yeah. same time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: So, so you're, so after that first store, and then it became quite successful, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, where, when along the, along the path did you say w- we've got to have,
2: more we've got yeah. a franchisor we've got a. how
1: yeah. what was that process so like? we aren't
2: franchising yet um okay. they're all corporate they're all still owned. yours okay. we just opened our 40th location which is like so surreal when you go back to it's the in, that's insane. Start of it all of like, please just one store work, please. Yeah. Um, so we just opened our 40th location in Cedar City, um, but yeah, it was we it was three years before we opened up our second location. Again, we took our time. Let's make sure this is really going to work. Uh, again, no no loans, no partners. Still, um, we had lines wrapped around the corner, and we opened our second location just a mile away from our first location in St. George, okay. and it mainly was to relieve the lines of the first location and this week after we opened it we got featured on KUTV news as the place to hit for spring breakers that was 2013 March and it blew us out of the water people now wanted to go see what this wig thing was and uh People coming on the freeway from from California, Arizona, up to Utah, wherever, Idaho, spring breakers like they all had to come try out Swig. So um, people started approaching us investors. And so we're like, you know what, let's grow this. Let's do it like we're we're actually living the American dream of like your business is working and you need you can expand it. So we brought on partners that summer um, mainly financial at that point. So that I could kind of step away from the day to day and be able to focus on opening. And what does that look like? How do we stamp out Swig now? How can we create the same culture and feel and experience in other locations? So we went up to Provo i um, right across from Cougar Stadium. Uh, it was a perfect location. It was an old pizza hut. Jimmy Osmond owns the building. Mm. He came to us. of like, I've heard of the swig thing. I want to put a swig here. And so um, location, 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 location. And it's actually a great store for advertising because people come from all over the world to see their their kids that are going to school there. So it actually helped us in advertising as well. And then we opened up to 16 locations in three years after that. So we just started because we were like, will Swig exist in a cold climate? That was kind of the question because St. George is warm and sunny. And so it was a test for us. And within a week or two, we're like gangbusters. Mm. Yes, it will. So then we're like, let's go. Let's hit the gas. So then we then we went. So you just
1: did your 40th and you are in. Four states, five states? Yeah, five states. Five states. So You're just starting in Texas.
2: Yes, just started in Texas with many, many more to come. Our third location in Oklahoma City area uh, next week uh, mm-hmm. in Norman, Oklahoma. So, and
1: you know, it's interesting because um, it's mostly Mountain West except for Texas, right? Right. Uh, but and- we
2: get franchise requests from all over the United States, let alone the world. Wow! Yeah, like all over, and we aren't franchising yet because it's not quite ready for it. I want to make sure that those systems are all ironed out to where that franchisee will do well, and Mm -hmm. the culture will stay the same. I'm I'm curious
1: because I know in Utah it's a different, it's a little bit different culture, and we love soda because we uh, there's a there's a large portion of people that don't drink coffee, so there's a huge. I think a replacement, which is right. Soda. Yes. Um, are you seeing it be as
2: successful in other states? Yes, super good question. I get asked that a lot. I've had um, we were on the Today Show, which is like crazy oh town. Like phone call from a real NBC celebrity Universe. here no, on First Lady I'm and not, Friends. Not even. Not even. I got a phone call that said NBC Universal a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, do I answer that? <laughs> I answered. Is this it a prank? Yeah. I'm like, come on. But um no, they we are now catching, you know, um, nationwide news because of our dirty soda, which is a whole nother topic. Yeah. Um, but it's really dirty drinks. And so we have um, explain a little bit of that. I know okay. most people know what
1: that is. Yes. But so, just explain what, yes, what a dirty soda is. I love is. it. We've
2: had dirty soda since day one. Yeah. We started getting competition. Um copycats yeah. within like year three 2013 there started to be some competitors and they were using that term and every one of them they were using the term even maverick had it on their gas pumps for like six months um but they were confusing the marketplace so their coconut at maverick sorry maverick was not good yeah. and so people if they got a dirty drink at maverick we not going to come to swig and get a dirty drink because they thought that's what they were so, we trademarked the term dirty in Utah and a federal trademark. So, we spent money and, and time getting it done to protect it just because we knew, again, I could feel it. I was like, that dirty is going to mean something and it does mean something. And lo and behold, eight years later, there's this dirty soda, dirty drink trending all over TikTok, all over Instagram. Um, literally uh, millions of views about dirty drinks. And it is now it's coined. Dirty drinks can just mean like creamer or any add-in that you create that you add to your soda. But you can add it to our sparkling water. We have water-based drink. We have sparkling water-based drinks that are actually make up about 25% of our cells. Mm -hmm. So we definitely are not just soda. We have our own energy drink that we created called Reviver. So think of us like a... um, Sonic, Dutch Bros, Starbucks, um, all into like one, except we don't serve food. So your line will always be fast Mm. and you can get any drink that you want at Swig. It is not just soda. It is customized drinks, your favorite drink made your way. Mm. Um, But we get to have a lot of people that come just for our water based drinks. Sparkling water is cool. If I'm going to drink any sparkling thing, it's going to be a Diet Coke though. (laughs) <laughs> so Hawaii. but I'm um, sparkling water. I think, is definitely. I think it's the, it's the Utah, it's the state drink. Yeah, I would think. it honestly is. <laughs> and you know, it's funny when we went to Texas and Oklahoma, it is not the state drink there. It is more Dr. Pepper root beer, Mountain Dew. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's not Diet Coke, but we have done extremely well. We've landed so well. And I'm so proud of our business because I know it's going to go everywhere. People are just catching on to it because it is not just about that drink. It is that connection Mm. with that customer. They're coming from, we we started selling sweet tea down in the south, Oklahoma and Texas because they drink it. So It's your drink destination, whether that is caffeine, sparkling water, water, energy drinks. We got you. We can customize that drink and our Texas and Oklahoma stores are at the top of the pack already and they've been open less than a year. Amazing. So the best is yet to come. So talk talk to me a
1: little bit about you. You talk about the treats because you got the drinks. But then I know the swig cookies
2: are a big thing as well. So
1: how did that come about?
2: Yeah, great question. So I knew I'm a baker. I don't bake hardly at all anymore. I mean, I do. It was special occasions. But um, I loved a good home baked cookie. And there was a um, bakery down in St. George called Dutchman's. And so I went to the owner back when we before we started. And I said, here's what we're going to do. Your cookies are amazing. Would you outsource with us? And he's like, I've never done that before, but yeah, let's try it. So, we were getting our cookies from him for the first two years. I was driving my expedition back and forth, twenty minutes each way, um, getting those cookies frosting. My car smelled like a sugar cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't and it all was bad. amazing. There's nothing wrong with that. You can start selling, uh, yeah. you know, air fresheners yeah. that smell like it's a, a cookie. Sweet cookie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then their bakery flooded. Um, sadly, disastrously, um, they had to close down. They didn't even know if they'd open up. It was the end of 2012. Um, so we had to pivot really fast and we had a baker that was making our cupcakes. And so I went to her and said, can you make cookies? And she's like, I can make a really good cookie. And so I said, I need them to taste just like what we had because I didn't want our customers to skip a beat. And so by this time, we've been open over two years and we had some solid customers. And so we tweaked the recipes until we got it just right. And then she became our baker. She no longer is because now we're just large scale and we go with a huge bakery here in Salt Lake City um, that bakes them by the thousands, <laughs> which is so amazing, crazy, surreal to say. So crazy. Um, and then they get shipped out to all the locations. But that's how it all started. That's was, incredible and, and just wildly successful and you just hit on something
1: that well, people I, love.
2: I would not have thought the cookies were going to do what they did. I really didn't. I just wanted to have an option and they literally became like they were on Pinterest, like how to make a swig cookie. And like, I was like, I like free advertising, right? I mean, yeah. we really have done hardly any advertising. This all just been word of mouth. And I've always just been a firm believer of if you provide an amazing product with um, superior customer service, um... People will talk about you and that's all you need to do. I mean, of course, there's times we need to market when we go to new areas, we need to market for ourselves, but you just need to focus on what you're doing and do it the very best you can and don't let any distractions get you like competition or whatever. It's good to have competition because it makes you better, but don't get caught up in the noise. Just focus on what you do and do it your best.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I want to talk more. Uh, well, I want to start talking about uh, your journey with cancer, yes, and and the amazing things that you're doing in that area of of getting people help that they need. So we'll do that when we come right back. Awesome. Our founder of Swig, uh, just an incredible ont- entrepreneurial uh, story. And your family just just putting everything they had into this. And just the outcome has been incredible. And then you went on a journey. Uh, you were diagnosed with cancer.
2: Tell us a little bit about that. So I was actually diagnosed with breast cancer before we started SWIG. So I was okay. 37 years old. I was prompted by a friend to go get a mammogram. No history in my family, no symptoms. Um, She had just been, and I'd asked her, when do you think I should get one? She's like, I think everybody should get a baseline mammogram at 35 to know what their healthy breast tissue looks like. I said, okay, well, that's great, but no insurance. We were in between jobs. Yeah, I don't have any symptoms. I'm fine. Um, She asked me four more times. And I was like, "Why are you asking me?" She goes, "We well, just go do it." I said, "Okay." To a friend, a friend to friend, I'm like, "Okay, if you'll stop asking me, yes, I will go do it." I was like, as I went to go get it done. Well, I had to get permission from my OB when I called them and said I'd like to get um, uh, what do they even call it? Like a, it's not prescription, but you know, authorization to go to um, the radiology and get a mammogram. And they said, "Why are you getting a mammogram?" And I said. I don't know. I just feel like I should. They're like, okay, well, you know, I had to pay out of pocket for it, which I'm like, that's fine. So I go make the appointment with the radi- radiologist. Same question. Why are you getting a mammogram? I said, I don't know. Just felt like I needed to schedule it. Was they were like two months out because it was nothing serious. Um, the day my mammogram, it snowed in St. George. It does not snow in St. George. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I got a phone call from the radiologist. It was being done out in Hurricane, which was about a 20-minute drive out at the Instacare out there. She calls me that morning, and she says, "Um, I need to get on the road. I live in Escalante. Um, Because of the roads, I'd like to get on the road. Can we reschedule you? And I said, I thought, why am I? And she even said to me, why are you getting this mammogram? And I'm like, really? And I thought in my head, why am I getting this mammogram? This lady needs to get on the road. And I about said, you know what? Let's reschedule. And something inside of me said, you go. Hmm. And so I said, I can be there right now if you'll wait. And she said, okay, come right now. I got there 20 minutes later. And um, she did the ultrasound or the mammogram and um, didn't think anything of it. It was Christmas time. I went in and started shopping um, in town, St. George, for Christmas toys for my kids and um, got a phone call an hour later and they said, we see something suspicious. We need you to come in tomorrow for an ultrasound. And my heart dropped. And um, I just knew something was up. Went in for the ultrasound. They went right to it. Um, I never felt it. Never felt it. It was too deep. It was way deep. And um, then it was Christmas and all the surgeons were on vacation for two weeks. So I had to go two weeks without knowing what it was, but knew it was something. I just could feel it, feel it inside, like the intuition. And um, went in, found out it was cancer after the Christmas break. And it was a rare cancer and a very aggressive cancer that doesn't respond to chemotherapy or radiation that's in the connective tissue. So all you can do is cut it out and hope it doesn't come back and hope that it hasn't spread because you can't treat it. Mm-hmm. So if I would have waited until I was forty, I wouldn't be here. Wow. I would I would not be here. My, my surgeon said I've only seen two other cases in her thirty years of doing breast cancer surgery removal. I was her second. And she said, your friend saved your life. And so I was relieved at that point that I had listened and got the mammogram and saved my life. Um, But then I had no insurance and I had over $12,000 in um, medical bills from the hospital stay to the surgeon bill, Um, which was actually pretty cheap comparatively because I didn't have to do any other treatment besides surgery. Um, So I went to the hospital, Dixie uh, memorial Hospital and um, said here's my situation no insurance husband between jobs um what do you have financial assistance and she said we we have donors that 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 donate money if you qualify filled out the paperwork I remember sitting to this day in the hospital administrative room and she looks at me and she says Nicole can you pay a hundred dollars and with tears streaming down my face I said, I can pay a hundred dollars and I wrote a check right there for hundred dollars. That's back in the day when you wrote checks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I then had renewed life. We literally started swig. That was January of 2009. When I was diagnosed, we started swig April, 2010. So it gave us renewed life. And, um, Lo and behold, uh, did I ever think I could give back in the way that I did? When you're a cancer survivor, it's not something that you talk a lot about. You kind of keep it close to your heart. And now I wonder, like, are we serving well when we do that? Like, maybe we should be talking more about it and talking about our journey. And I'd opened up to our new partners, um, like back in 2019, about my cancer journey and how my medical bills were paid for. And then um, 2020 hit uh, the pandemic. And we were one of the fortunate restaurants that didn't just survive, but we thrived. I was going to cause you have through. a drive through. <laughs> so we were essential for those moms that are now teachers and for those healthcare workers that are working day in, day out. We, we became super busy. And so we wanted to give back after being so blessed, um, through that, those few months that we had to, um, pivot and go really hard. Um, and so he said to me, my partner, Nicole, didn't you have breast cancer and weren't your medical bills paid for? And I said, Oh yeah, I told him the story again. He's like, that's what we're doing. We are going to give back and we're going to give back exactly that way. And so we came up with the term save the cups, which is just (laughs) the best. It honestly is like Perfect. Like, save those cups, and then we sell drinks in cups. Like, it, you couldn't have found a better, you know, coin term. So um, so now we help women that have been diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, we help them pay for their medical bills because it is the very last thing that they are thinking of. They are just focused on saving their lives. That is it. They're focused on their kids, their families, and going through the hard process of all the treatment. And then we come in and we lift that, that medical debt weight and it's a weight Mm -hmm. and we lift it. And so the first year we did it, we raised now it's not me. It is our customers. I'm just the voice behind it. The customers are the ones raising this money. They're the ones coming through the lines, buying the drinks. One is my drink. It's the founder. We came up with it for Save the Cups. I've been getting it forever. And I'm like, the world needs to know that this drink exists because it's amazing. Tell me about the drink. What's okay, in so it? it's Diet Coke with sugar-free coconut syrup, fresh slime, and coconut cream. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Yeah, Yeah. right? Like, why did we not name it before now? I'm all about lime and coconut. Yeah, right? You You feel like you're on a beach somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you can buy those. There's that drink, and then there's usually like a water-based drink that we term for like a breast cancer um, term of like the unbreakable or the fighter. And so um, you can buy those drinks, or you can buy stickers that we sell. That's all through the month of October. Um, We also have t-shirts. We have tumblers. Um, and, or you can just donate. We've had customers come in and donated a thousand dollars right in that line. The first year we raised $161,000 Incredible that we were able to give back all of it to women. The second year we had some supply chain issues with tumblers, right? 2021. Yep. That was the, the yep. story of our lives. Um, and so we didn't quite get what we wanted to, but we raised another 130,000. Well, it was 135. So we've raised a little over $300,000 for women. This last year, because we were able to actually visit them the first year, we had to do it by Zoom. Because of the pandemic, this last year though, we delivered checks in January and February, Mm -hmm. publishers clearing house style. So I show up to their houses. They don't know we're coming with these big checks. Um, We surprised one girl. She was 29 when she was diagnosed at her bridal shower. Yeah. Talk about a tearjerker. We're all bawling. Um, These women have lost their hair. They are going through chemo. They've had mastectomies. Um, It is it's a very surreal full circle moment for me to be able to give back like that, Mm -hmm. to be able to be, um, the means by, um, women can feel a weight lifted and feel joy in their life. Um, and because that what was done was done for me Mm -hmm. and to be able to give back like that is nothing like I ever thought I would be able to do. Um, And it's because of this amazing business I've been blessed with. I don't know why I'm so blessed, why I get to do what I do. Um, Going to work for me is a joy and a privilege to be able to work with the team, a team that works so hard as we grow and expand. It's not easy and it takes a team to do it as you go out of state. That is, that's a challenge. But, um, so it takes a village, like it takes so many people, but then to go talk to customers and get to know them. I've had women come through the drive-through line and they grab my hand and with tears, they say, thank you for what you're doing. Um, or people coming through saying I've had the worst day for whatever reason and you just cheered me up or your team members are awesome and they cheer me up every single day. So we are way more than a drink. We are a community, a, a business. We're way more than the business. We're the best part of people's day for so many reasons, and I get to do it every day. That's it's pretty so, incredible.
1: So cool. Tell me, just as we as we end here, I, I w- want to wrap up, but I want to talk about your kiddos. Yeah, you, you talked. You you said you're you're a grandma. Yes. So let's talk a little bit. How are they doing now? What What's the experience been for them as far as, you know, what, how has it changed their trajectory of what they want to do or what they want to be or how do they contribute? Uh, Just tell us a little bit about
2: how they're doing. Yes. So I have three married children. Um, Two of them have babies. Um, And uh, I think, and then I have two younger ones. And the youngest just graduated from high school. So, oh, wow, Mm. that's crazy. Um, But he's about ready to get his mission call to go on an LDS mission. So really cool. Um, They've all been amazing at what they do. I think they have learned that life is going to be hard. But because of the hard, you can know joy. And they've been through a lot um, other things besides the breast cancer and, and the joys of sharing your, your parents with the business, but they've all worked in the stores. Mm-hmm. They've been, they've been shift leads and, and assistant managers and they've all worked it. They love it. Um, yeah, I think it's helped them to become the amazing humans that they are by seeing uh, their parents, uh, struggle and, and, and really grow something from nothing. And um, to see, to then to see what Save the Cups is doing, and to have them know that fear of like my mom. We could have lost her and to have that empathy for people going through um, cancer and just other things. Somebody's starting a business, they're going to be like, I know what you're going through and that's hard. So um they, they, are, you know, have their, their business degrees and they're going and doing their own journey. And I love it. One was a school teacher, um, yes. volleyball coach. <laughs> yes. The hardest job out there. Yes. Um, we love our school teachers. So um, yeah, one works for Vivint and their marketing. So I, I. I hope that they've learned a little bit from, from us on, on how to, how to do hard things. Well, I love that they're doing their
1: own things too, I too. their own journeys. Yeah. They're not, you know, family businesses are tough. Yes. And sometimes when you, when people get back involved, it's, it's tough. We've, yeah. we've been in a family, you know, my husband's been in a family business for, you know, it's, it's for a couple of generations <laughs> yes yes it's so tough yeah I want them to blaze their own path whatever that may be was that intentional on your part or did you say we don't want you back in the business oh, no, not at or all. was it like in fact, they I all would wanted be like
2: t- please come work after my daughter got home from her mission I'm like please come back and work for at swig and she's like mom I want to go do my own thing. She's an esthetician school. I'm like, sweet. That's better for me too. Like yeah. I can go get all the facials. Yeah. And um, no, um, it's not intentional at all. I think they they um, they want to go do their own thing. And I love it. They also know how hard it is to run a restaurant. Yeah. It's really hard. I often tease this for crazy people. <laughs> you have to be a little bit crazy um, to work in the restaurant business. But the restaurant business is one of the most fulfilling things out there. Because I, you get to be the best part of people's day.
1: Well, and, and your idea of connection, I think yeah. that's, it's very powerful. We, yeah. We've talked here many times about what people really want. Yeah. They want connection. Sometimes yes. we find it in dangerous ways when we can't find it in healthy ways. Um, you know, in social media groups that are, that are tribal and, and angry. But if, if we find it in the best possible ways, just people to people, empathy, um, it just brings joy to life. I love that you're doing
2: that. It's what it's all about. It's about the people. It's a connection.
1: Well, yeah. this has been just a, a delight for me. It's oh, been really good to to get to know you and to hear your story. I love. I know our listeners are going to love hearing this, and it's very inspiring. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You can learn more about Save the Cups and what Swig is doing at swigandsweets.com slash save the cups. Thanks for being a friend.
0: I'm Dave Cawley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home.